Pablo's Poppin' Podcast is brought to you by 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, Volume 1, available in paperback at Amazon.com. What are your atonomic bombs? Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, and how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Check out the five-star reviews. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, available at Amazon.com. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world, here comes another one. There's a magical place we're on our way there With toys in the millions all under one roof It's called Toys of Us Soon after bedtime when dark night time falls Jeffrey and helpers stock up all the shelves Who's feeling to bomb books, board games and bikes Teddy's puppets and dolls, bags, spaceships and trikes There's millions of Jeffrey all under one roof It's called Toys of Us, Toys of Us, Toys of Us Three figures Come around here with his bloody podcasts. again everybody welcome to pablo's popping podcast i hope everyone's doing okay it's uh again it's very much spring outside which means that i'm waking up with terrible hay fever but uh, i like i find sneezing pleasurable <laughs> not that way you dirty bastards um but no it's it's a nice thing to sneeze and i do have big sneezing fits so um that's kind of my morning every morning now but i'll put up with that for nicer weather and uh for longer lighter nights um, and now, okay, I know that, um, you know, the entire world was probably, you know, waiting, you know, in, in intense anticipation last night for the show. Uh, we had, well, I had, because it's just me, <laughs> I had some uh, technical difficulties, um, and uh, it's it's Saturday, so it's just uploaded Saturday today, so I hope that's okay. Uh, my special guest today, um, we are, well, I'm trying to sort of expand, you know, I, I want to keep this within my interests which are music film uh, the arts etc and one of my biggest interests is uh, professional wrestling like this is not a wrestling podcast by any means but I, I sort of understand that a lot of uh, listeners to this show will be uh, wrestling fans and um, I I was thinking when I started the podcast of making it a wrestling podcast specifically uh, but I to be honest, I'm not entirely keen on a lot of fan-made wrestling podcasts because it's all about sort of analysing and critiquing 
everything to the point of where it's just not enjoyable for me. Um, like in the UK, we used to have this uh, magazine called Power Slam magazine, and it was just ah, uh, there was just no sense of just wonder or enjoyment or you know, I, I even hate to use the word kayfabe. <laughs> um, you know, I got some magazines this week. Um, and one of them was from 1993, one of my favourite years in wrestling, by the way. Um, and it's just kind of crazy to hear, like, like, were they smart fans back then, or smart fans? See, I don't even know. Like, I'm a mark. I'm, you know, I'll, I'm a mark for old stuff. I will happily watch Royal Rumble 89 for the hundredth time and still really get into it. And, you know, want someone to win or, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was just kind of weird, you know. And... I got into wrestling in 1992, it was Christmas, and, um, you know, SummerSlam 92 happened at Wembley Stadium, and obviously, if you can sell out Wembley Stadium in the UK, look, you, you know, advertisers and sponsors are going to pick up on that, so WWF at the time was just as hot in the UK and Europe as it ever was during the Attitude Era, and, um... That Christmas, I got uh, a WCW ring, uh, which came with two figures, and I got two WWF figures as well. I got Undertaker and Big Boss Man, and it was just kind of a weird thing, and I didn't really understand what it was. And then I got uh, I got a video called Mega Matches, um, which was headlined. It was just a compilation video, and it was headlined by Randy Savage and Warrior uh, at MSG, um, which ended up on one of the new Warrior DVDs. So I was quite happy about that, but um, yeah. So it, at that point, you know, it be, just became an intense love, and uh, my first ever album was WrestleMania the album. So I, I'd still, ha you know, rate that quite highly. Um, so where was I going with that? See, that's the thing. When I start talking about wrestling, I do. I can talk about old school WWF at length. You know, ninety two to ninety seven. So of my period is really say eighty four to ninety seven. You know, I grew up during the Attitude Era and I loved it. Um, but everything was kind of available um, at that time, and I, I very much lived through it. So like, this is me sort of almost regressing to pre Attitude Era because you know I'm a I'm quite a collector as well and um this is just stuff that wasn't available you know ebay has ruined my life um you know just this week i, I received uh, two pairs of adam bomb shades uh, which i think it kind of impressed my guest today i'm not entirely sure <laughs> you know i i think people some people don't take it seriously when i say that i'm really a fan of you know that 92 to 97 sort of the new generation period it seems okay to kind of like 97 but uh you know 93 94 95 just gets like really you like that stuff but i love that stuff um so my my guest today is uh david Starr. he's uh one of uh the easily the fastest rising sort of independent wrestlers in the u.s um, I'll be honest, my knowledge of independent wrestling in general, because, you know, again, anything, say, past the year 2000, uh, you know, I kind of dropped out a bit. Um, don't get me wrong, I still watch it. My favourite wrestler is Christian, and I'm really annoyed that they didn't um, make any kind of deal of his retirement, but I'm really enjoying the Edging Christian show on the network, which is good. Um, so, yeah, uh, David Starr... Um, I'm a big fan. Um, he sort of made a name for himself. You know, he's, he's wrestling everywhere, but he's really used the internet uh, to his advantage and he's built up, you know, a worldwide following now. Um, 
<clears throat> and I really respect that, you know, as a musician, you know, the underlying theme of this entire podcast is self-employment. And I want each guest to sort of hopefully inspire, you know, creative people in that field who are looking to make it a career. Um, so we've had actors, we've had musicians, we've had authors, we've had filmmakers. Um, and, you know, this is a guy who's started from scratch and he's marketed himself. And those are the kind of questions that we get into here. You know, um, he, he did, uh, you know, he was kind of in the news a bit recently when uh, he was uh, under some anti-Semitic uh, abuse at a show which is uh, which is terrible and uh, we go into it a little bit but he's already done full interviews about that and you know it's kind of you know he's happy to talk about it but this is kind of more you know talking about his career his, his beginnings and hopefully it's you know and we do nerd out a little bit as well and I'm kind of hoping it's something that a lot of people will enjoy not just wrestling fans you know I'm trying to be as broad as possible here because I am self-employed and this podcast is a part of that self-employment um, so, you know, on that, you know, if you are wrestling fans and you listen to wrestling podcasts, you know, you know that Jim Ross, Chris Jericho, etc. do pimp everything they do quite a lot and talk about the sponsors, etc. Um, I do have sponsors, as you heard at the beginning of the show, as you will hear throughout the show. Um, please check out those sponsors. Um, I just made a slight edit there because I had a big sneezing fit. Uh, <laughs> that's what happens. Um, you know, I've had to shut. I've had to close all the windows because everyone is mowing their lawn outside, etc. This is a small operation here. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, you didn't want to hear me sneeze into your ears, basically. Uh, so yeah, I do have sponsors. Please check them out. You know, the uh, the fifteen surefire tips uh, for back pain relief. Maybe uh, you know, it may be something a lot of wrestling fans or wrestlers who may be listening would be interested in because I can vouch for the book. It's a great book. You need to check it out. Um, I also, as part of my self-employment, I am also a musician. You know, I basically I'm turning thirty this year and I'm having a bit of a midlife crisis. So I decided, right, I've got to try and go self-employed. I've got to at least give it a shot. Um, my music is influenced by bands such as uh, the Beach Boys, the Beatles, ELO. It's kind of like, you know, big sort of, you know, classic pop, I suppose. But there are other elements in there. There's, you know, electronica. There's, you know, it goes all over the place, really. So if you want to check that out, because I've worked with some big names. Um, names, uh, you know, I've worked with Roger Manning, who is currently in Beck's uh, band. I've worked with uh, Eric Dover, who is in Slash's Snake Pit etc. I've worked with Linus of Hollywood who produced uh, Bowling for Soups albums. Um, if, if you would like to at least check out the music, it is available to buy at uh, toxicmelons.bandcamp.com That's toxicmelons T-O-X-I-C melons.bandcamp.com um, It allows me to continue to do this for free um, because I would never charge, you know, like everyone else would never charge uh, and it also allows me the time to get the best guests possible. You know, I've been in touch with other uh, wrestlers and they are interested. And they are interested because they see the amount of downloads, they see that I have sponsors, they see previous guests, but those previous guests also, you know, come on because there is hopefully a growing listenership and uh but i can only get those sponsors because i can get the better guests so it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation so if you'd like to check out my music please do so please recommend it uh also like comment download subscribe 
all of that stuff on podbean.com. Uh, find Pablo's Poppin' Podcast on uh, on Facebook. Leave comments. You can ask questions, which will then be submitted to guests. Uh, yeah, so all of that. Um, I really, really appreciate it. So, without further ado, we are going to go straight into our interview with the superb David Starr. So my guest today is the awesome David Starr. Uh, David's wrestled all across the states. He's wrestled for Ring of Honor. He currently wrestles for CZW, and he's just done a tour of uh, my country, uh, England, and Germany. So David, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's uh, it's cool to be on. I uh, you said you do like musicians and all that cool stuff. So this should be pretty cool and pretty fun and interesting. Yeah, man. Well, um, I've kind of been a fan for a while and it's, it's sort of a crazy time because you are an independent wrestler, but because of the internet, you know, the internet has, you know, been a lot of artists, best friends. And I think it's probably, you know, an amazing tool for wrestling now because, you know, you can sell your merchandise, you can build a name for yourself really without leaving, you know, uh, leaving yeah. where you are. So, um, but uh, I know you wrestled X-Pac recently and I interviewed yeah. X-Pac on the stage uh, not that long ago. And um, I wanted to interview you for a while, uh, but it was the comment that you posted saying that after your match, uh, you got to tell X-Pac that he had the best taunt on No Mercy. Yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> he had some of the best taunts on No Mercy. Him and Val Venus. Yes, I fully agree with that. So, <laughs> so how did he take that? Oh, I mean, he, you know, I thought it was kind of funny. That, that, that's just like one of the jokes I always made because I think No Mercy is the best professional wrestling video game ever. Uh, and X-Pac always has the coolest taunts. Like everyone always does the the spinning suck it taunt. That was like rapid fire for X-Pac, dude. That he had the jumping one. Like, I don't know. I said it was just, it was just a little something pretty funny. I don't even know if he remembers me actually saying that to him. Like, it was just a comment I made, and he just kind of laughed and, like, and kind of gave me a hug after laughing. But that was, like, it was just kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, so but it's the truth, man. Him and Val Venus. This is true. Well, I, when I interviewed him on stage, um, it was it was kind of one of those things. I sort of, I wanted to, I was doing the whole one two three kid sort of era, and then sort of uh, the co-host did the X-Pac era. Uh, so I talked to him about his first couple of matches on Raw, and uh, as soon as, because he was, uh, he lost to, oh no, I think he beat Louis Spicoli uh, in one of his uh, first WWF matches, and okay. he went, he sort of gave 20 minutes on Louis Spicoli, and the audience, not exactly, you know, the, the most knowledgeable, you know, they were there for X-Pac and not 20 minutes on Louis Spicoli, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was a pleasure to sort of hear him, uh, hear him talk about that. If he's passionate about something, it made for a great, it made for a great chat. Yeah, he's a, he's a real cool dude, man. He was uh, a real, real pleasure to, uh, get to work with and be around it was cool he's a real real nice guy i got to see him when i was in dallas this past weekend too and we got to talk a bit um yeah really cool dude him and uh billy gunn another another really cool dude <laughs> yeah i've seen some of the uh, comments that he's been leaving on your uh, status yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he loves me he loves me yeah he knows it so you uh you were in dallas as just about everyone in the wrestling world was uh this week so what were you particularly uh doing in dallas uh, I wrestled for CZW. I wrestled for Combat Zone, uh, which I believe is going to be available at CZWstudios.com uh, shortly and might be available right now at WWNlive.com. Uh, it was 
does CZW was a part of the WWN experience this uh, this weekend, which had some amazing shows. So uh, I got to participate in that and got to see a bunch of people that I haven't seen in a long time, meet a bunch of people that I'm uh, that are my peers and I'm fans of uh, from just a professional standpoint, and got to uh, get to know everybody. It was uh, really just a great just a, a great time. Got to really move some uh, bottomlinemerch.com stuff, <laughs> which bottomlinemerch.com is like a, a really awesome uh, new website that's come out. It's run through Cold Cuts, which coldcutsmerch.com is a massive band website that is very, very successful, um, has pr- some pretty awesome bands like Newfound Glory on it, uh, The Wonder Years. Now we're branching; they're branching out into uh, professional wrestling, and we have some Great, great dudes on there like John Morrison's a part of it. Sammy Callahan, A.R. Fox, Masada, uh, Shane Strickland. Uh, there's a bunch more. They're going to be announced soon. A bunch of people just signed up. So everything was just great. It was, it was an awesome experience. That's really cool. Real good time. Well, one of the things that I sort of uh, really respect about you is that you have uh, not just built your name and shown what you can do in the ring. You've you've really built you know, no pun intended, a product, uh, you know, with uh, sort of, you know, the t-shirt designs and uh, everything else. Um, what was the, were you influenced by anyone in particular to move in that direction? Or was that just something that just made sense to do? Um, well, as far as having branded merchandise and stuff like that, like you are talking about just creating a brand in general and trying to push a brand. Yeah. Um, I always, uh, I grew up with, uh, in a business background, my family, uh, I come from a family of jewelers, like homegrown jewelers, and they have their own business. Both my mom and my dad's side has, uh, they have jewelry businesses that are very successful. And I grew up around that and I learned a lot about handling business and doing things like that and really how, how to market. And uh, I always knew to have a logo on everything and to have stuff that not only you would wear, but someone else would wear too. Um, and it has to be trying to hit a general market, stuff like that. Like I, um, I, I was very specific with all of the things that I've done and I continue to do because I'm still not where I want to be as far as, uh, where I see myself, where I could get to my potential. Um, I think there's a lot more growth to be had and I'm going to keep pressing forward and hopefully stuff works out. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, it, it's, sort of harder to I guess speaking from as a musician um it's the opportunities to make yourself stand out are more uh you know available because of the net but it's also harder to stand out because so many people are trying to do it um so did you have a you know uh, beyond that a specific sort of strategy in mind because uh you know you've made social media your best friend almost and you know it's really gotten your name out there um, and I, 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 I assume it's led to, you know, bookings and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great. The internet, like, I guess what you had made your point out before was that it's been, uh, very, very friendly to entertainment really in general, just, yeah. uh, especially independent entertainers, whether that's, uh, actors who aren't, who aren't necessarily union or aren't necessarily making big money or, uh, musicians and wrestlers or painters or whatever so yeah it's been great because it's a place where you can use essentially free advertising uh it's been nice to me it's also been it's also been bad for me like because sometimes you you have to you almost forget that 
it's a public thing. And sometimes there's certain things that just, you know, people don't need to hear. Yeah. Um, and I think everybody's been guilty of making some mistakes in that regard. I certainly have been before. Um, but it is a great tool to help advertise and help build whatever fan base or market you're trying to trying to create. Uh, I think it's it's really good for that stuff. And it's been it, uh, very fortunate to grow up in this time as opposed to how difficult it was to see wrestlers when, you know, you had tape trading and stuff like that before <laughs> before <laughs> instant Internet access at all times. Um, so I'm very fortunate. Yeah, I think I came in right at the end of the whole tape trading thing. Um, it was mainly a lot of people just getting rid of their collections, and I was because they were transferred it to DVD. So I was just glad to take everything. And then, <laughs> then about a year later, I really regretted it because I had all this, you know, fucking VHS that, yeah. <laughs> that I couldn't do anything with, and that ended up just throwing it away. But um, oh, you threw them away? You didn't ah, them. there was there was nothing that you couldn't get just about everywhere else. But um, yeah, there was some really cool stuff though. Yeah. Um, I've oh God, I've got like full seasons of you know, say superstars from nineteen eighty nine. So you get oh, and you just got rid of it. No, 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 no. I've got them on DVD now. So, um, but uh, because I live in the UK and we didn't get a lot of this stuff until you know the early nineties, especially after SummerSlam when they did Wembley Stadium, etc. Right. Um, just some of the adverts are great. You know, you get the uh, Jazzy Jeff Hotline, and uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really fun to see some of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's awesome. But. One thing that I sort of have to, I keep forgetting that, you know, because I turned 30 this year and I am now probably older than most of the WWE roster and, you know, most uh, sort of wrestlers in general now. Uh, people are older than you think, man. That's true. Well, you know, Dolph Ziggler's older than I thought. That was a bit of a shock, but he has yeah. been around quite well. But, um, but you are, how, you are 25? 25. I just turned 25 in February. That's insane. I barely remember 25. Um, yeah, but there's, there are so <laughs> many guys who are like, young and like upcoming that are way better than I was when they were in their age. Like I look back when I was, and I just look, I'm like, I suck. Like, <laughs> but these guys are good. Like Leo rush is way too good to be as young as he is. I think he's only like 20, 21 years old. Right. Uh, Trevor Lee is like 21, 22, something like that. Uh, like Andrew Everett's real young too. Like there's so many good guys out there that are young. Um, even even guys in Ohio that I see at Rockstar all the time, like Zachary Wentz is really good. Yeah. Um, he's young. Like, dude, there's there's a lot of guys upcoming that are super young, uh, and they make me feel older. <laughs> so, but I, I and I know it's not that much of a difference, but still, no, it, it is a bit of a difference. Um, you know, like I say, I'm nearly thirty, and I just feel far too old but uh, um but i mean in, in your opinion right now um because I, I assume that the ultimate goal is to get to the wwe uh i mean that'd be nice but like i don't really set goals based on someone else's decision okay so like my goals for myself i set them as individual like because i can't make wwe hire me i can't make a company i want to work for anywhere pull the trigger that's essentially at the end of the day it's their decision mm -hmm. i can only work on me to make me as good as possible so that i become undeniable yeah well i, th I think it's a, sort of a good time now though that you know they do sort of very much look at uh reputations that wrestlers are building up on the indie scene or in other companies i know it was, it's kind of always been that way to a degree but obviously you know the indie scenes aren't 
you know, on the national level of WCW or whatever. So, you know, it's kind of a shame that sort of 10 years ago, you know, Brian Kendrick and Paul London, I think they would have fed a lot better now uh, just because of the current sort of situation. Well, I mean, everything, wrestling is always changing, right? Like Mm. right now it seems that WWE really, really loves the independent wrestling scene or they like people that build a following, right? But that might change tomorrow. That's true. Do you, One, think, do you think that actually, you know, uh, listening really to the hot, those sort of hardcore internet fans, maybe for the no, first I time? No, I think what they're, li- I think yes and no, but I, I think that they see someone who has a following, so they've proven that they can generate money for themselves. This so is they true. Just want to take, they want to take a proven commodity on a smaller scale. It's like being a test sample. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is true. Uh, th- again, know? this and is, then, sorry. Well, no, no, it's, it's okay. I'm just saying, like, at the end of the day, they see that and they go, okay, well, let's make, let's see if we can make this, we can make even more money with this. Mm. Like, at the end of the day, they obviously want the people they sign to be successful, but it's much, it's not a big risk for them. Mm-hmm. They can take a chance on a proven commodity and then blow it up huge. But if it doesn't work out, it's not that much money that they spent for something that's kind of a dud in the long run. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really mean... It's not... There's... there's. Why wouldn't they do it? Yeah. They're, they're taking the best out there, and it's not just because you're good in the ring. It's because you've proven to build a build a market for yourself. Mm. Like, uh, why yeah. wouldn't they want to take that? Again, that that's, you know, very close to kind of how the music industry is now, that, you know, if you can prove that you've got the following, etc., you know, and one, they don't have to spend a lot of money building you up from scratch, like you say, and, uh, yeah. you know, and... It, if it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work. And I don't think it, it would ruin that person's career because, you know, they already show that they can do it on, you know, attract that fan base on whatever level sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just good. It's, you know, but again, like everything, everything's changing. And I mean, I think the examples you gave, like Paul London and Brian Kendrick, I still think they're doing pretty good. So, like, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, but, I, you know, I, um, it, it may be an unfair example, but I just think... Maybe because of, um, you know, if you look at someone like, you know, obviously Daniel Bryan or, you know, people that have come in since then, um, the internet uh, following, I suppose, is probably stronger because I'm sure they had a huge internet following back then, but maybe because the internet's more prevalent now. Um, well, I mean, I, I guess, I guess, what you're, are you implying that people would have been more behind them because they would have acknowledged their, their uh, success? prior to getting to WWE? I think, well, I think that it sort of uh, makes for a a smoother introduction to the mass audience. Um, Yeah, sometimes. Because you already have that underlying fan base that's going to cheer for you or boo you. They're going to give you a response because they already know you. So it doesn't take as long for them to become endeared to you. Hmm. Um, I guess that makes sense. Like, yeah, I get that. But at the end of the day, like, that's just how... I guess it's just sometimes how it works. You have to always work to get yourself over, yeah, right? You always have to work. You always have to work to to get reactions. Like you have to, no matter what. You can't take anything for granted. Um, but again, like like I'm saying, like everything could change. Like tomorrow, they could just be like, "Now nah, we're done doing this stuff and just stop." Yeah, like that. That can happen. It just takes one or two people to say they're they're tired of it, and that's it. That's true. Uh, but uh, do you think that sort of uh, with WWE being as big as they are, if they decide that they want to do something else, that kind of others will follow in that direction? 
Because I mean, uh, uh, well, I mean, essentially, it seems as though uh, WWE, uh, for the most part, the the corporation isn't as much of a leader in the industry as it is uh, a follower of. Like it takes a bit, you know what I mean? Like you always think of like the stuff that the mat, the type of matches you're seeing now on TV are the type of independent matches that were happening five years ago. True. Yeah. So it's just like, because that crop of talent has now come up now, the style is changing in that way. Hmm. So that's more influenced by what had already happened. It's not necessarily something new and revolutionary to the rest of the world to that universe. It might be. Yeah, but that universe is just catching up now. This is true. Every, we all do the same thing. WWE is the same thing as Evolve. Is the same thing as CZW. Is the same thing as Rockstar Pro. It's the same thing as everywhere beyond. It's all the same. Mm. It's just the budget <laughs> is much larger. Yeah. With like, I'm not saying the talent is the same because obviously WWE has some of the the best wrestlers in the world. Like, is it? And they would have translated on any stage. Yeah, no, I agree. Oh. Um, oh, well, it's just the budget. Well, let's uh, get specifically back to you. Um, I think I saw uh, a post recently that it was the Iron Man match with Sean and Brett. Was that the original match that sort of made you a fan? Yeah, yeah, it was the first. That's my first wrestling memory. Awesome. Watching. Yeah, and that that match, I was just glued, and that mm. just made me a pro wrestling fan. So, who did you want to win? Man, because I didn't know anybody. Like, I was just watching. I, I just remember really, really enjoying it. I really liked that Sean won at the end. Like, when it um, when it went to the draw and then mm. Brett was complaining about the restart happening, that made me pull for Sean. Mm. That's pretty cool that that's your first memory, though, because I, I think my first memories were sort of really short squash matches. And then the first event I watched was WrestleMania 9. And I just, I think just because I had a oh. short, short attention span, I love WrestleMania 9. I know it gets a bit of a unfair. Yeah, because that's like, yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that era. And uh, I get lots of, uh, <laughs> lots of like, really? Comments when I uh, that's say. Funny. But um, yeah, so once. I, I, watch WrestleMania 9 and I think because I, I was like 7 at the time um, yeah I just remember the matches feeling like they were really long and I was <laughs> like not getting into it so like you know obviously that's changed since then but um, right. uh, so I mean you were able to sit through the entire match and just be glued <laughs> straight away yeah I was 5 years old and I loved <laughs> the 1 hour Iron Man match like that's the other thing it's like it's crazy how like, cause on that same show, Goldust versus Piper <laughs> was on it, and like it was that—that's the match you would think a five-year-old would have gotten pulled into. Yeah, but no, but... I got pulled into the Iron Man match. Uh, I, I sent a message to Dustin on Facebook, and uh, first time I watched that match was with my parents, which is not the best thing to show your parents. <laughs> um, and I said, you know, watching a six foot six man get stripped down to lingerie uh, in front of your parents, like you know, it's the only kind of thing that that could happen and it kind of make you a better person for seeing it but yeah <laughs> and he liked that as well so yeah that's funny <laughs> yeah the, uh, this is a, he tells a story about how he had to go to the uh you know the fat girls lingerie shop uh to you know get something in like <laughs> triple something that fits him. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah um so i guess um well you wrestled at school did you or yeah yeah i, I wrestled uh when I was in high school and then through university and stuff, yeah. So was that, because, I mean, we don't do that here. So was that a choice or was that like a mandatory thing at school? No, no, it was a choice. I was in, uh, 
I was in second grade, so uh, year two or whatever, and uh, um, so I was seven years old, mm-hmm. and my gym teacher said in front of my in front of the gym class said, "Is anyone interested in wrestling?" And it was for uh, Jenkintown Youth Activities Club, uh-huh. uh, which is like you know a Philadelphia suburb or whatever, and that's near where I lived. And I was like, yeah, I'm interested in wrestling. Like, Cause I thought it was going to be like pro wrestling. So <laughs> that's what, that's one thing I was going to ask. Uh, so when, when was this, was this during the actual era or was it just a little bit before? Cause yeah, I, I was seven years old. So yeah, it was like 98. So Austin was like, it was after mania 14. Uh. Um, yeah. So it was after Austin won the title and stuff. So, uh, yeah. And I went into practice and like, I started wrestling and, I thought it was going to be pro wrestling. I was a little disappointed. Uh, and then, but I got, but I just grew to like it and I got, I was, I, I did well. Uh, so I just stuck with it and I really, really, I really, really loved it. Did you have aspirations to go the amateur route? Oh. Well, I did like, I mean, I did, I wrestled through high school and I wrestled through university and stuff. And like, uh, I always loved pro wrestling. Like, mm. I always, I always loved it. I kind of lost out of the watching it regularly through the middle, um, like through the two thousands. Yeah, a lot stuff. of people like, did. I think. Yeah. So, like, but I would watch from time to time, but I wasn't keeping up with it. Like, I knew about Cena and Batista and stuff like that. Like, I knew about all that stuff, like Evolution and Orton, and all that. Like, I knew those guys, but I didn't watch them regularly. Yeah. Um, but then, randomly, my buddy, who's now my uh, He's actually one of, my, one of my roommates now. He came over because he lived around the corner, and we decided to watch because he's a wrestling fan too. And we decided to watch Raw, and it just so happened to be June twenty seventh, two thousand eleven, and CM Punk cut the pipe bomb promo. Ah, wow! That's and good. I was like, wow, that totally hooked me again. Uh, so and, I mean, and, so did it not even really occur that that could be done based on what you had previously seen? Did it feel completely sort of fresh or? Yeah. It was yeah. totally different. It was totally, and on top of that, the other thing about it is that I wasn't really an independent wrestling fan before that. I watched WWE. I watched old school stuff because yeah. my stepdad used to get tapes from our video, and we used to watch like old NWA stuff, WCCW, AWA. So I was watching the Attitude Era and the Monday Night Wars, and really old wrestling. Cool. Like that's what I watched. So I didn't watch like indie stuff. Mm. I knew nothing about it. So when Punk cut that promo. I became a huge CM Punk fan. And from that, I looked in, I looked up like ring of honor and then like I started just watching wrestling and then I started really paying attention to TNA mm. and then like, it was just cool. It was just all really, really cool. Mm. And, um, that promo is what set me off. And I'm, that's what gave me the balls to step up and try and be a pro wrestler. That's also, and that's quite reasonably recent as well. I just assumed that it was, you know, you'd started sort of before that. No, I started, I had my, um, my first match was February 18th, 2012. Mm, Wow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Again, I keep forgetting that you are 25 years old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have to keep remembering that. So are you, and one thing about the attitude here as well, I can understand, you know, because you were, you were given everything every week. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously, I think really round about the invasion time, that's, I kind of still watched it, and uh, but certainly not as hardcore, but I think at the time, the Attitude Era, I mean, what, what did you think personally of, 
like the stuff that didn't lead to matches, you know, like the stuff like Terry getting knocked oh, off the Oh, if I look and... back, on, if I look back on yeah. the Attitude Era, yeah. I mean, if you look back on the Attitude Era, it, it was great because of the characters and the storylines and the drama mm. and like, it just felt so, I mean, no pun intended, it just felt so raw. Yeah. Like, that's what was great about the Attitude Era or about the Monday Night Wars in general. Like, everything just felt so real. Mm. Uh, even though when you look back and you, like it, when you watch, I'm not talking about real as in like the the matches, because I think the wrestling t- on today's television is better than it's ever been. Like in ring product is better than it's ever been. Um, I, I agree with that, but do you think that t- that's to the detriment of the pay per views? You know, why? Just because they're giving away so much good wrestling all the time that when you see a pay per view match, it's not as special. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm um, maybe I am just a little you know too old or have seen too much sort of thing, but you know I, when. I, again, I think it is the, the you know anyone that grew up during the Attitude Era. Everything since then, you know, uh, maybe it, it just I don't know. It kind of they, they give you so much sort of thing, but but at the same time, you know, the pay per views were still kind of special. But um, if it's a different ma- if it's a different match, if it's like um, you're not going to necessarily get the same match on Raw that you're going to get on the pay-per-view all the time. Yeah, sure, does it happen sometimes? Yes. You have a limited roster at some point, you know, to, you're not just getting everybody all over the world all the time, like, on the, at the snap of a finger. Like, you have to, you're going to have repeat matchups sometimes on Raw, but it's like, you can always do different stuff and make it different. So it's still going to be a surprise. It's still a new match in that regard. Um, so, and they can make you believe whatever it is, like you can still get sucked into it. So I don't think, I don't think being overexposed to good wrestling is necessarily <laughs> a bad thing. Um, and as well, actually, yeah, I, you know, uh, I do agree that, you know, if you are, if you particularly like the wrestler, you want to see them every chance you can get and you want them to win. So it's kind of just like seeing your sports team, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, on top of that, just like, it's, it's like saying, it's like saying, oh man, you know, I think that if we just got really, really terrible wrestling all the time, then all of a sudden <laughs> the pay-per-views were the only place where you could see good wrestling. Like, like oh, then we'd buy pay-per-views. I don't know about that. Uh, well, I think what I really meant is maybe there, I mean, when you've got like three hours of Raw every week, it's kind of hard to, you know, obviously the matches are what should really sort of, you know, sell the product, but to keep the storylines sort of going and, you know, to really stretch things out or whatever, you know, that that can be quite hard to do. Well, I mean, I think it's, I think it's just the, uh, like it's really difficult to write a three-hour television show every week. Absolutely, yeah. but I think they've done a good job of keeping it interesting throughout. Like, obviously, there are, everything has its ups, everything has its downs. Um, it's it's positives and negatives, but I think overall they've done a pretty good job with everything that's around them. Hmm. Um, and I think that putting on a good match on Raw doesn't hurt a pay-per-view match. You know, I. Obviously, you could do too much in a match. That's possible, but doesn't mean doing less doesn't mean you're having a bad match. Mm. Well, as well, I, you know, I I hate the sort of you know, I don't, try not to see myself as a fan who sort of critiques and analyzes it. I just try to enjoy it. But at the same time, one of my favorite events is WrestleMania Nine, so I don't think my opinions. Are valid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, standard, <laughs> standard. <laughs> yeah, I am very much an old school fan. Um, 
but I sort of, you know, again for a while, you know, it was I found it my favorite wrestler is Christian, um, and the Christian. fact, yeah, yeah, and the fact that he's sort of retired now without any kind of really official sort of announcement is that kind of it's kind of annoying, but. Um, I, I doubt that we're going to do what they did for Daniel Bryan for Christian. But. No, no, but well, he wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't that popular. But he was popular, <laughs> but he wasn't Daniel Bryan popular. Oh uh, no, I know, but you know, it, but, but he's my favorite wrestler. So <laughs> that's just me being. No, that's fine. That's fine. That's, <laughs> I think that's that's understandable. Like, mm. yeah, I, I think. think he's good. And I think uh, I, you may roll your eyes at this, but you know, because I love it when say. Uh, an old school guy comes back or whatever. Um, I think one of the last times I really, really got out of my seat uh, during a match was uh, the ladder match with Jerry Lawler and Miz when uh, Jerry Lawler was he had his hands on the title <laughs> and I was like, oh, it'll, it'll never happen, but it could happen. It was just like I was. Uh, like, oh, you should have seen me that night. I was, I was, I was almost far too excited that uh, the fact that Jerry Lawler could have won the title, but. Um, <laughs> That's- um, so yeah, you, uh, trained at the Wild Simone's training center. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. So, I mean, uh, what did they teach you in terms of, uh, w- was it sort of making you tougher or was it, you know, cause the Simone's not, oh, okay. Apart from the rock, obviously, uh, not really known for sort of promos and everything. So I, I would not have associated you with the Wild Simone training center. So what did you sort of learn while you were there? Well, I, uh, they were overall there was a great school to uh to it was a great place to get started they they hammer down your your basics and your and your really really uh important techniques that you need to have they they lay down a really good groundwork for you um and it's a great place where you can grow and learn um it was a good i got i got pretty much everything like again all the basic fundamentals that everything else that you learn is derived from, um, I got from the wild swimming training center. So I highly recommend it. It's a, um, an amazing place to start your journey. Cool. So who did you train under specifically? Was it Samu? Samu. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Head shrink is one of my favorite teams. Yeah, they're great. They're great. (laughs) Samu could go, man. It was, it's awesome watching him, uh, watching old tapes of him wrestle. Mm -hmm. So what after and seeker around, uh, no, I've actually never met uh, Afa or Sika. Mm-hmm. I've only I met Samu, um, Afa Junior, who was Manu on uh, television. Um, Rikishi, uh, La Smooth, who's Lloyd. Um, they uh, I've met all them, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then I trained with Lance uh, with Lance, who's uh, Samu's son. Yeah, he seems like a cool, really cool guy. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, like Lance wrestling a lot of times. Mm. Well, I'm from sort of a, a fans. Uh, perspective uh i would sort of look at the wild simone training center sort of along the same lines as say the dungeon or the storm wrestling kind of it's like a stamp of you know um... yeah yeah that's one of the reasons why um i went there they uh they emailed like or i emailed a bunch of training schools in pa and samu was the first one to get back to me and um i looked into their history and their reputation is obviously speaks for itself and yeah. it was a place I had to go. So that, was that your first actual training? Like, did you take yeah. a bump before then or? No, no, no. Ah, uh, cool. So what was the uh, first day? Like, was that just a complete shock to the system? Or... Oh, I mean, they, like, I mean, sometimes different schools do things different ways. Like some schools on your first day, they just, uh, beat you to death with like <laughs> drills. Like as far as, uh, they'll just like, you'll just do a bunch of calisthenics. Mm. Um, just to see how far you can go, like what kind of shape you're in. 
Uh, some schools go, start you on the first day you start bumping. Some schools start you in all different ways. So it's all it depends on where you go, mm-hmm. and there's no particularly right way, I guess. Um, but uh, I think the first day I was in there, um, they had me do you know some basic calisthenics and stuff, and then I believe I learned how to. I might have learned how to bump my first day. I don't remember, but. Um, I don't remember that specifically, but everything picked up pretty quickly for me. Um, and I ended up graduating about a month into training and had my first match a month in the training. I was the fastest graduate in the history of their program. So it was really cool. That's awesome. So in terms of, uh, building the character, um, and in terms of, you know, uh, building your look in terms of, you know, obviously, uh, appearance wise and uh condition wise and everything um where did obviously you want to keep yourself in good shape but where did all of that come from did you have a specific influence for your look um for what i wanted to wear and everything yeah uh, man i guess like to be honest i started wearing my type of like my trunk designs i started wearing them because uh jt um, when I used to tag with JT Dunn, yeah. he had a, a pair of trunks that were designed like the way I have them now. And I said that I really liked them, so I wanted to get – we ended up getting tag team gear like that. And then we just got a bunch of it, and I decided to keep on with that. And JT just does a bunch of def- different stuff all the time now. He just likes – he likes different gears and stuff, and I like I like uh, patterns. Like mm-hmm. I like one specific thing. Like, I think that's better – uh, that's just my opinion. You know, it's, everyone has their own thing, and it works for everything. Different things work for different people, but uh, I happen to like keeping things relatively the same. So uh, my gear is really from that. Like I just kind of design them. At this point, I just draw them out myself, and then send them to my uh, to my girl who does the gear making stuff, and she's awesome. I hope everyone's enjoying my interview with David Starr. I'll be back in a jiffy. You tired of paying high prices at your local barbershop? Look no further. Craig Miller Barbershop is based in Wallsend, Newcastle upon Tyne. Close to all public transport facilities and accessible for wheelchair users, even celebrities, you CMB shop. For lads and dads, we have a range of games consoles in the shop to keep everyone occupied. No appointment necessary. To find us, visit www.craigmillerbarber.com. And now, back to the shoe. So, in terms of uh, interviews uh, and promo style, were you, who, were you directly influenced by anyone in particular? Uh, I mean, I love, I always loved watching Ric Flair. Yeah. And I always loved watching, um, I always loved watching Dusty and stuff like, and, you know, everyone who doesn't, who didn't love a rock promo and stuff. <laughs> uh, and Jericho and guys like that, like, they were all people that I really enjoyed listening to. Um, but the person that stood out the most, to be perfectly honest, is superstar Billy Graham. Awesome. Like he was, yeah. he's my favorite wrestler. Um, and his, he just stood out. He was the definition of standing out. Like he had, he had a bodybuilder look when everyone else looked like a power lifter. He had, uh, blonde hair when everyone seemed to have like dark hair. He was wearing, he had fish hair with like long sideburns when no one else, when everyone else was just like clean cut. Uh, he had tie dye long tights on with bright colored boots when everyone was wearing black boots and like dark colored trunks. Um, he just was, he had a, a sweet tan. He was, uh, completely clean shaven. Like his body was completely clean shaven. It was, 
he was just so larger than life. It was awesome. Yeah, I and mean, you totally took advantage of TV going from black and white into color as well. Oh, um, yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah. Um. So uh, did you get to meet Billy Graham? Did I see a picture of you and him? Or am I yeah, just I did. Yeah, what was I that did. like? Was that, was, like? that was a great experience. What a cool dude. Yeah, um, yeah he, like Tommy Dreamer introduced me to him because I had met Tommy through a couple CZW shows and stuff. Hmm. Uh, another dude who's really, really good. Um, at everything, what a nice guy Tommy Dreamer is, and I told him I was waiting to meet Superstar because I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, this was at WrestleCon in Jersey. Yeah, and he said, "Do you want me to introduce you?" And I was like, "I uh, yes, <laughs> of course I do." Like, so he introduced me to him, and then um, Superstar told me to. He's like, "Hey, wait." He's like, "Come back to me at the end of the convention. I'll, I'll, and we can talk like for a while." I was like, "Oh, that'd be amazing." I went back at the end, and. He was sitting down most of the time because, you know, he was not necessarily uh, feeling well. Yeah. So uh, when I got there, he he told me to give me to give him my hand and I helped him and I helped him up and he stood up on his feet and he sat and stood there and we spoke for like 20 minutes. And we I asked him questions and he was just a he was just the coolest dude ever. Um, That was that was like my life complete. (laughs) It was awesome. I was so happy. Yeah, I think he really sort of takes pride in the fact that he's been such an influence as well. Yeah, yeah, he definitely, I mean, he's probably the most imitated man in professional wrestling. Yeah, I, um, looking back on it, I really wish that his uh, run in 87 as a wrestler would have lasted a little bit longer. But I suppose it's hard to say where it would have where it would have went, because obviously Hogan's had such a big grip yeah. on the title, etc. But you never know. I mean, it could have resulted in Billy Graham turning heel going against Hogan. That would have been that would have been crazy. Yeah, it was um he was he was just awesome. I mean, I wish he had a a baby face run with the title back in the day. Yeah. Cuz he was one of the first heels that really got over, to be honest. Like he could have been one of the first heels that really turned baby face. But that didn't happen very often. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I always think that um, Vince uh, Vince McMahon must have been banging his head off a wall when his dad wanted to make Bob Backlund champion for... Oh, that's the stories you hear, right? <laughs> yeah, the, well, the story I heard was that I'm going to keep the belt on him until he gets over. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. Uh, you know, but, you know, obviously nothing against Bob Backlund, but, uh, you know, yeah, they could have went with Billy Graham. Well, Backlund had a really good, um, Backlund had a really good international career. Did he really? I, I just, I'm, I, my favorite heel title win of all time is Bob Backlund beating Bret Hart at Survivor Series. Yeah. Um, I love that match. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know what that says about me as a fan. Uh, but I just, I was, I, I, it's never felt as a kid so weird to see a, a title change because I think that was the first heel sort of title change that I ever uh, saw. As With Bret beating Yoko Mania 10, that was the first face title win that I ever saw, so uh, okay. you know, I rank those both uh, very, very highly. Um, oh, I understand. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, and also, you know, I'm just going to nerd out a bit now. When Christian won the belt of Randy Orton by disqualification at Money Yeah, Day, I remember that. I remember that. That was so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, I'll, st- I'll just stop uh, geeking out now. But, um, yeah, so um, how was the tour of uh, England and Germany, and how do the fans differ to American fans? Oh, I mean, it was great. What a great experience it was. Um, I can't. I really can't wait to go back. Um, it was. It was just 
it was just an awesome experience. Uh, how was it different? Like the fans are pretty much, I mean, like wrestling fans are wrestling fans. Like, but they, I guess, I don't know. I just, everything felt so, so good over there. And there's some great fans in America and there's great fans over there. And I just love, I love anywhere that I have the chance to, and the ability to perform. Um, so the fans aren't much different cause they're pretty awesome over here too. Uh, but they were, they were just, they were great. And I, I can't wait to go back and wrestle in front of them again. Totally. So were they uh, very familiar with you? Uh, at first they were like, there was some that were like a small portion of the audience, but then by the time 16 carat came up, um, mm-hmm. they seemed to know who I was. So that was really cool that they really, uh, followed what I had done for the six, seven weeks I was there. Awesome. So, um, do you, uh, prefer wrestling as a good guy or a bad guy and who were your main influences on both of those, um, um, in both of those sort of styles, I suppose. I mean, I'm always, I'm always just being myself, really. Like, uh-huh. I turn my volume up. So, like, I don't necessarily think of myself as, like, oh, it's not, like, that much of a difference. I'm always the same person, same character, whatever. Uh, it's easy for me to kind of flip on the switch, I guess. Um, <laughs> so, it's, it's easy to be loud and obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, being, but being like you know not necessarily being a bad guy and stuff is it doesn't it doesn't come that difficult either it's just different like you are you know some people i just i'm just myself i just turn my volume up that's about it like um i enjoy everything as long as the fans are into what we're what we're doing like i try to put on the best fans i possibly or best show i possibly can for the fans Mm -hmm. um so that's really all i'm trying to do uh and it's and it's just good to do that. <laughs> I don't know, that's just that's all I really try to do. So, um, good guy or bad guy? Like, what do I prefer? I I don't really have a preference. Okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah, in I, I hate to bring it up because you've already talked about it quite a bit. The uh, the recent um piece of business that went down um that you've you know you've talked about quite. A, you see, if I was any kind of broadcast journalist, and I do that with inverted commas I'm, the, I'm sort of like the Bobby Heenan of uh, broadcast journalists um, oh, okay. you know, I, I would have been the first to get an interview with you to talk to you about that but I think you covered everything um, about what happened uh, but since then um, you know the the post that you uh, shared um, you said that you received a comment saying that you maybe could have used it to your advantage and stuff like that I mean how do you feel about that when people bring that kind of stuff up trying to incorporate reality to that level. Yeah, I just don't, I just don't, like, I think there's a time and a place for everything, and that's not the time and a place to do that. Yeah. Um, I, that's pretty much all. That is, it was, it was insulting to me that I was getting messages and comments and stuff of people telling me that I was, I was stupid for not making this into something uh, that I would take advantage of yeah. as a performer. And that's not right. So I'm not okay with that. Um, no. But uh, as, as well, and, and I'm not at all defending it. Um, no, I know you're but, not. But, know you're but not. like people have uh, used those elements of truth in the past and it it has helped their career. Not saying that you should do it at all and not that you need to do it. Uh, but maybe they, you know, the fans looked at similar situations and, you know, may, you know, maybe with the best of intentions, but... Yeah, I can totally understand. No, right? no, it's because here's the thing. It's not like my character 
is something that, like, I said this in, the, in another interview before, like, yeah. char- there are plenty of characters that play off of stereotypes. Uh, there are. There absolutely are. There's characters in wrestling that play off of stereotypes or off of what the perception of something is. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's, like, why is that the first thing, the lowest common denominator that you that you think to insult? Like, for instance, Rusev was an anti-American character, right? Hmm. Um, but you didn't hate Rusev because he was Russian. If he was just a dude that was Russian, you wouldn't just be like, oh, man, I, like, I hate Russian people. Because, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you don't just, you're not just xenophobic just because he's Russian. Yeah. You didn't like Rusev because he didn't like America and we love him and we love, and like, you're insulting us. So that's why we don't like you. Not because you're from somewhere different. Um, JTG was a character that played off of stereotypes, but your first, the reason you didn't like him wasn't because he was black. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, and it's not like, oh, he came out and you, the first thing, if you saw JTG in the first, First thing you thought was like you know saying something racially charged because he's black and that's why you didn't like him. Then you have a problem. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, um, I was watching it was it may have been something like Wrestling with Shadows, the Bret Hart documentary, and um, <laughs> someone was like, you know, because obviously it was kind of this made up war between America and Canada, and uh, the, yeah. the interviewer asked the fan, it was like, why don't you like America? And he had to think, it, he was just like, uh, America sucks, and it's just like, well, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly, it's just a thing, <laughs> but like, but that's but. Some people are also saying that I almost earned that stuff happening because my name's David Starr and because I wear a Star of David on my chest. That's like, crazy. Or I wear it as my logo, which that's ridiculous. That's like saying, oh, well, they knew you're – basically, they knew you're Jewish, so they're going to have to hate you for being for being Jewish. Yeah. Oh. Is that is that right? Does no. that make sense? No, I agree. Totally. And, and you know, I, I'm – Glad you didn't mind me bring this up because obviously you've talked about it. You've talked about it enough, but I just wanted to uh, ask about you know the whole fans asking about you you know making more out of it sort of thing. So you know, yeah, I think, I think it's dumb. It's not. There's again, there's a time and a place for everything, and I'm not using this as a means to get myself popular. I'd be using it as a means to help spread an overall message where that's not okay. Hmm. So that's why I don't mind anyone bringing it up because I'm fine with having the message being seen on another platform and hopefully somebody who maybe didn't know the story or didn't know the, that that's not okay listens and they realize mm. yeah. that's the only thing you can really hope for. Absolutely. So, um, oh, well this, uh, you know, I try to, I try to keep these interviews around about 40 minutes and I think we've barely even scraped anything that I really wanted to ask, but, um, I would love to do this again, uh, at some point, if you're happy to be on again, uh, you would be the first repeated guest. You know, back, well, by, yeah, super back, down. back by popular demand. Um, yeah, I'd love to. That's awesome. Um, so yeah, is there, uh, before uh, before we go, is there anything that you would like to, uh, upcoming matches, appearances, etc.? Yes, yes, yes. Um, so this weekend is pretty big. When is this going to air? This is going to air on Friday. Okay, cool. Well, then on Friday, so today, I guess, um, I'm wrestling Rockstar Pro. I'm defending my Rockstar Pro World Championship in a fatal four-way match against Jonathan Gresham, Aaron Williams, Desmond Xavier, and I mean myself. That's the other one in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that'll be pretty awesome. And you can see that in all Rockstar matches at rockstarpronetwork.com. Uh, it's a monthly subscription, and Rockstar Pro runs 
over a hundred shows a year that are on that program. So you're getting way, way good. Like you're getting great bang for your buck. Uh, and then the next day is CZW best of the best, which will be available live at streamczw.com, And then it will be on demand at czwstudios.com. Uh, another great subscription, uh, subscription service you can get where you can get all your CZW stuff. Um, and then those are, that's, really my big weekend best the best is probably one of the biggest shows of the year one of the biggest tournaments in uh professional wrestling today um it's a always always a a great show and you're going to see great wrestling uh from everybody there's an awesome field this year with guys like jonathan gresham you got new guys like anthony henry who haven't been seen by the ccw audience Hmm. you have guys dave chris shane strickland uh there's so much so much good stuff that's happening in ccw um and then, yeah, I guess other than that, check me out on Instagram and uh, on Twitter uh, and on Snapchat. It's all at the product DS. Uh, find me on Facebook, just David Starr. Check out my website, theproductds.com. Check out my merchandise stores, bottomlinemerch.com slash David Starr, prowrestlingtees.com slash David Starr. Um, and keep up with me. Try to, at least. That was <laughs> all of my stuff. See, that, this is why, you know, you are really making a name for yourself because you are prepared with an answer like that. You know, you've got everything up and running and it must be exhausting keeping it all, um, you know, all together. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need you need a job, personal assistant. That's what you need. That'd be nice. <laughs> you could have a shoot manager, you know, they book all your hotels, etc. And then, you know. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, indie wrestling, uh, especially in the States, even in the UK as well, it seems to be in a good place at the moment. And I can't see it getting anything but uh, better in terms of attendance, etc. And, uh, you know, I think they've, you know, everyone is tapping into the f- something that's already, you know, been there is that people just want more wrestling. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems that today is a great day to be a part of professional wrestling, whether in all aspects, as a fan, as a wrestler, as a promoter. It just seems like everything is uh, really, really good. It's a really good time to be a part of something cool. That's cool. Well, thank you for being on Pablo's Pop and Pop. See, I, I give it a stupid name. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of P's in it. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Bombastic Bart, Bodacious Bob, etc. Yeah, <laughs> alliteration. Alliteration, and I, I did meet Bob Holly once, and I got to tell him that I, I may be the only uh, new Midnight Express fan in the world, and that really embarrassed him. But <laughs> 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 yeah, I wanted to talk to him about that and Sparky Plug and uh, etc. You know, screw hardcore Holly. But, uh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> I think he appreciated that. I hope he did because it was definitely genuine. So um, That's yeah, funny. actually, I'll tell you what. I, this is you know something between two fans. Uh, something that I got. I I am a nerd. I get it, but um, I got a pair of. Adam Bomb shades. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I've got two pairs now. I've got one still in the packet because I am a collector, and I've got one that I could just wear around around the streets. You know, because <laughs> I'm. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, Adam Bomb shades. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's uh, yeah. maybe I'll start a revolution, and all the kids will uh, you know start wearing them again. I can see it. Yeah, totally. Well, WWE are doing all this retro merchandise now, so um, yeah, right. I think Adam Bo- Adam Bomb line of merchandise is uh, definitely due a come Overdue, yeah. No <laughs> See, this is why I'd never get a job with WWE. I think I'd bankrupt them within like five years <laughs> with just stupid well, ideas guys, like that. You guys should make Adam Bomb shades again. <laughs> yeah, the door would already be open, I think, before I got that sentence out. But, uh, That's funny. Yeah. But the, the thing that I, you know, Somewhere in their warehouse will be just boxes of unsold atom bomb shades. 
There probably are. <laughs> yeah, I think if I had one wish, just one day in that warehouse, and I would be literally like a kid in a toy store. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, uh, thank you for being on, and um, I, I, I hope the you know the line of question, and I'm just speaking as a fan here. You know, there are a lot of wrestling podcasts out there and this isn't specifically a wrestling podcast but i like to sort of um chat about the the person's career and uh just kind of have fun and you know i like to chat about things that are of interest to me because you know i think hopefully it makes for a better interview sort of thing because you know i see too many podcasts that are just unprepared and you know you can tell that the host isn't into it etc and i know yeah i know what you mean this is this is fun dude this that's is a- cool good this is a good interview uh that's cool oh thank you very much and uh on that note i'll quit while i'm ahead i'll quit quit on the compliment and uh i will uh talk to you again soon and thanks again for taking some time out cool well thank you very much for having me i appreciate it okay thanks again to david Starr. um you know i'm interviewing a lot of americans at the moment so i'm trying to you know sound more understandable you know i'm from newcastle uh which is where neville is from uh for you for wrestling fans out there um and there's probably a reason why they don't let him speak on TV too much. You know, I kind of cringe. So, you know, I'm trying to just sound more, um, I suppose, understandable. It's working on vowel sounds. It's almost like self-elocution lessons. So hopefully, you know, David Starr understood everything I said. So that was, that was good. <laughs> so hopefully uh, you are not, you don't need uh, subtitles for this. Um, you know, there's the story of uh, Dusty Rhodes when he used to do commentary at WCW. The closed caption person could not understand a word he was saying. But when he did that interview and he was like, Oh, the Anderson, I'm going to kick your ass. You know, you could understand that. And, you know, that's how he, you know, drew a ton of money. Um, so yes, if you enjoyed the show, comment, like, subscribe. There will be more wrestling guests coming up. Uh, there's music guests, etc. Um, next week's guest to be announced uh, because I fell a little bit behind on doing interviews uh, because of lack of equipment. Basically, I lost my really expensive headphones and then I was able to get some more. Um, so join the Pablo's Poppin Podcast Facebook page and uh, you will find out all the scoops, everything that you need to know regarding this. Um, if you have any criticism, I welcome criticism. Um, you know, both good and bad. Obviously, the good stuff. <laughs> um, you know, it it's kind of weird interviewing a wrestler uh, as opposed to a musician because, you know, a lot of wrestlers, you know, get asked about, especially current, you know, wrestlers uh it's kind of like a, a breaking kayfabe look at the business i guess and kind of you know analyzing and critiquing stuff and um you know i've I've been offered money to write uh for certain places and i don't think i can because it's very combative sort of writing and you know if you want me if give me three thousand words and i will tell you why i love royal rumble 93 but i don't think many people want to hear that uh give me three thousand words on oh i don't know uh why someone isn't being booked right or whatever and i kind of don't care to a degree i like you know as you hear during the interview you know i think I, it kind of maybe didn't compute to David that, uh, you know, I'm a fan of his, but I'm also a fan of that new generation sort of era. And just, I kind of try and enjoy it. And, you know, it, once you start, like, analysing it to that degree, it kind of becomes not enjoyable, I suppose. Um, but you kind of can't help it as well because the internet is everywhere and it's easy to do. And I guess, like, sort of fans like wrestlers now, based on that non-kayfabe... Uh, 
way, you know, how they are being booked based on their, their previous, you know, their reputation, etc. Um, and you cheer for someone when you feel like they've been given that chance, not because of how a storyline works, if you get what I mean. Uh, you know, when Daniel Bryan finally got the title shot, it felt personal and real. Um, but, you know, say the League of Nations story, you know, whatever they're doing at the moment, no one cares. I mean, are we meant... You know, David goes into it a bit as well. Like, are we meant are we meant to hate them because they're foreign? Or um, are we meant to just hate them because they don't like America? Or I, I don't know. You know, and, and this is totally not that kind of wrestling show. I don't, like like I said, I don't like analysing it to that degree. Though, um, there is a, uh, there's a local wrestling quiz coming up. And I do plan to win it. I did win the last one. Um, it's called Brockbusters brilliant um you know a lot of american fans may not be familiar with blockbusters check it out on uh, youtube you will become addicted um you know our last uh, i'm a big todd pettingill fan i don't care i love todd pettingill so that was uh we were the todd pettingill fan club last time there was a team called quiz benoit um, <laughs> which got the uh, the biggest pop of the night i think because <laughs> all of us wrestling fans are just sick bastards so yes check out the show next week with our uh, guests to be determined, um, you will find out on the Facebook page. And right now, I'm going to play you a Toxic Melon song. Uh, just to introduce you to the music, <laughs> you know, I've, I, this is kind of, you know, hopefully you will enjoy it, you will buy it, you will sustain me. This is how I will uh, afford ice cream and uh, not be homeless and die of starvation. You know, money that I see from this podcast. Self-employment is an important thing. You know, I've got a tribunal coming up for working tax credits. Again, th this is a little bit of help from the government. Uh, those bastards um, you know to uh, help with self-employment um, and I think there may be a court date coming quite soon um, so yes this all goes towards that so this is a Toxic Melons track which is available at toxicmelons.bandcamp.com and it is called Let Me Sleep and I will see you all next week bye <laughs> I'm dead.